Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Morning, ladies. I'm sorry, that is one of my favorite songs. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us on this morning. Mr. Antonio is currently in St. Paul, Minnesota, meeting. Uh, I don't know if I can get it. I can't wait for the day that he's going to give them full details. Because, I tell y'all, it's exciting. I'm excited. It's exciting. So today I want to talk to everyone about attachments when it comes to inconsistency and the impact of attachments on inconsistency. So what do you think when you hear what do you think when you hear attachments? What are your thought processes? Okay, well, when I think attachments, I... Oh, go ahead, Renee. Um, I hate to 
Okay, I'll say it like this: something that, uh, I hate to say it like that, but something that's attached to you can be good, can be, um, can be bad. It's just something that is, um, some things we say is a part of us. Um, some things that we have formed a it can be healthy or it can be very unhealthy but it's something that um that was once foreign to us but now we have adopted as our own so i guess that, that's how it has an attachment yeah you said something that was foreign to us that we have now adapted for our own my god renee <laughs> I mean, at first it kind of started generic because I was like, well, something that's attached to us. But then sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Um, there were things that I adopted that weren't necessarily good for me. Um, but then, of course, there are some things that I've, that I've adopted over the course of my life that have, have continued to be very good for me. And it's helped me to help me to be a healthier person. Whereas some things like the event I told you guys about, that was not helpful at all to me. My turn up, that that was not. It was fun at the time, but it actually was not good because the sister could have killed herself. So some attachments can kill us if we don't sever from them. Other ones will help us to grow. Who else? You hear the word attachment. What comes to mind for you? Uh, things that we probably should let go of right you know now there are like Renee said there are some good things like we're all attached to this network to this family so this is good okay but when I was attached to anger that wasn't good okay <laughs> so yeah I had to let that go I had to get unattached to that one well, when it comes to transcending inconsistency, attachments have a huge impact on that. Strong attachments to specific outcomes or identities can lead to emotional roller coasters. So let's let's just break that one down. I am attached to the specific outcome of getting into graduating high school, getting into an Ivy League college, graduating top of my class, marrying uh, a politician, moving into the White House with the white picket fence with two and a half kids and a dog. I'm attached to that. But I don't even get out of high school. So now I have completely, I don't know anything else. So my attachment to that particular outcome and that particular identity, I have now gone into a deep depression. I have now gone into um, self, I've now gone into low self-esteem, low self-image. I've gone into major depression I've got I don't talk to anybody I have a have a life that's just routine after routine there's no excitement in my life 
because I'm not that identity. One day I'm crying, next day I'm excited. I don't, I don't even, I don't have friends because they, they're not a part of the identity that I was attached to while in school. So having strong attachments to specific outcomes or specific identities can lead to emotional roller coasters. Because when life, life, we've already established that life is inconsistent. Inconsistencies of life are not just a part of life. But when I have a strong attachment to something, I'm not in flow. So when an inconsistency in that area hits me, I get stuck in place. I can't move. I can't grow. I won't allow myself to grow. I won't allow myself to move. I won't. I'll, and I'll always live in that area. Y'all know how some, they, and they make movies about it, but how the high school football star and the head of the cheerleader, the head of the cheerleader, the head of the cheerleading uh, captain, you know, they're the perfect couple and then they plan on spending their lives together and later in 10 years, 10, 20 years down the line, he's, he has a pop belly and he's coaching and, you know, she's the hairdresser. Yeah. <laughs> neither one of them, neither one of them took care of their lives. Like, you know, he, his, he had a strong attachment to you know, going to college, becoming a professional football player, he had a strong attachment to becoming a nurse. But this was, but because nothing worked out as planned and they had strong attachments to those identities that they created for themselves, they just end up living a life that's not worth feeding a So the first question I want to ask each and every one of you is, what do you have a strong attachment to that you're still attached to that it is now time for you to release that attachment because it has not helped you? That God can do everything in my life except give me money. <laughs> well, <laughs> Thank you for your transparency. <laughs> that is the one thing. Uh, D knows it. Antonio knows it. That's the only thing. That's the everything else. I am good with. But it's like everybody else can get blessed with money. Jerome can get blessed with money, not me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what happened. But yeah. So since she jumped on the floor. Do you mind me asking questions? Please. Okay. I'll get this money. <laughs> so, what is the why do you feel like God can go through every other area in your life but your bank Okay, that is the that is the million dollar question. Um, it's like. It was one day I was, you know, taking care of myself and bills paid and this and that and the other. And then I don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, 
And and then I just developed a fear that, man, the money gonna run out. And because I keep that, kept seeing that the money ran out, and uh, the next point I was gonna bring up is fear of loss associated with attachments can drive inconsistent decision making. And I heard what you say. You said, women in the family, you think they're real, this is my man. So, do you have a strong attachment to financial security or do you have a strong attachment to a paycheck? Those are two different things financial security and a paycheck. Because technically, the paycheck is not financial security. Right. And it must be the paycheck. <laughs> because once you once you that attachment, what yeah. type of decisions have you been making since then? Oh. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you believe that God can bless you everywhere else but your bank account because you don't have a strong attachment. To God's blessings, you have a strong attachment to Okay. No, no. Let me know what I'm on. I'm, I'm making yeah. assumptions. Yeah, that you are. You are correct. Okay. <laughs> and because you have this attachment to paychecks, when it comes to anything outside of getting a paycheck once a month or every two weeks, you have resistance to that type of change. Because it's it's not what you are attached to. You went from school to college to a paycheck. And that paycheck supplied all your needs. So in that area, you didn't need God. Wow. All right. <laughs> okay, Marie. <laughs> but now you're in a position to where I'm so sorry I had something just pop in my head I'm trying to figure out if I'm supposed to tell her or not it's, it's now time for you to have faith all I can say all I, I do this to grace fight off the of y'all so please forgive me that's all I can say it is now time for you to have faith Okay. You've had faith in every other aspect of your life except your baby. Yeah. Because you had attachment to your paycheck. And now that you don't have pay, now that you don't have the pay, that paycheck that you used to have, you're still in the fear of the loss of that. Instead of in the faith of I'm gonna be financially secure. Wow. Oh my gosh. Again, I'm just making assumptions. This is for you to decide for yourself. I'm just asking questions and making assumptions. Oh, yes. The life has come on. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. Wow. I did this to myself. Yeah. I did this to myself. Yesterday, I realized that I put myself back into a cycle 
and no, not that I, yeah, I put myself back into the cycle because I was attached to something and I was sitting here and I was in, I, I remember I was walking back inside because every now and then I'll take a step outside to just inhale fresh air and get some sunlight. And as I was walking in, I was like, you haven't broken that cycle yet. Because there's a certain attachment that I have that I have not released. And anytime inconsistency hits, there's resistance every single time. Every single time there is resistance. There is no, there is, there's no pausing to think. It just, it is so deeply embedded in me that before, by the time I realize I'm in this cycle, I'm like halfway or three quarters into the cycle. Like I've already gotten that deep into it before I even realized it. So whatever this attack, this is a deeply rooted attachment. I didn't take it back. And it ain't easy. But Grace, I'm going to tell you something by the great little Wayne. It's a line in God Deal by DJ Cap. He said, I learned how to talk less and pray more. And let God do the work. Exodus 14, 14. So now it's time for you to stop battling. It's time for you to stop fighting. Let God fight your battle. You do the work. You just sit down and be quiet. And let him fight. You do the work. But Look at the impact of that attachment on the inconsistency of not having that every two weeks like you used to when you were in school. You were attached to something that did not make you happy or that that attachment you had was attached to something that did not make you happy. You released what didn't make you happy, but you didn't release the attachment that went along with it. Ooh, watch yourself. That's odd. Wait a minute. <laughs> okay. You know what? Deanna, you speaking because um, I was in a very a toxic, very, very toxic. I'm not, I can't call it a relationship because it, it wasn't. I mean, it was a relationship, but not a like boyfriend-girlfriend. It was more like a situationship, I guess you could call it. Um, but it was very toxic. It was it was very toxic. The only thing that I actually, and I'm just gonna be, I'm just being honest. The only thing that that was cool about it was the um extracurricular part. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it like that. That's the only thing. And even that, I was shortchanged. But besides, you know what I'm saying? But nevertheless, you know what I'm saying? I digress. But it still, it was, it was, it was very, it was very toxic. And I was like, and I got to a point where, you know, I had to, I had to sever ties. And it felt really great to sever ties. And, um, 
and he had called me and, and said to me one time, he was like, he, he said, Renee, you settled to be, to be with me, didn't you? And I said, yes, I did. And I said, I won't ever do that again. I won't do that to myself ever again. Um, I took what I could, I took what I could, what I felt like I could have gotten at the time because, you know, I was like, well, at least this is worth, um, you know, he's still in my life, even though it's not the way that I want, but he's still in my life. So I, um, but it still, it still was toxic, but I'm grateful that I let that relationship go because if I hadn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have got a chance to, one, to meet you guys, but then two, I wouldn't have got a chance to meet, to meet Jay, because ain't no, ain't no way that he would have been cool with me having this, having an attachment to somebody um, with an ex, you know what I'm saying, ain't, ain't no way, because that's not the type of man Jay is, he's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, nope. Nope. And I can't blame them because no man worth that what they thought wants to wants to wants uh their woman to be in a relationship or still be talking to to an ex or somebody that no, nah, I, I mean no. Nah. But um I'm grateful that I let go and the crazy part is he literally called called me this year. Like he like I don't have his number in my phone no more. I mean, it's been gone. But of course, I still have the the, the same number. He, he called me randomly. One, oh, of course, Jay in the car. We on we gone to the store, and he calls me. He's like, "It's been a while," and I'm thinking, "Nigga, it's been over a year. You ain't I ain't talked to you in over a year. I could care less." But he's like, "How are you? I'm good." But Jay was right there. I had it on speaker. Jay heard everything, and I'm like. What you want from me, Negro? I mean, I, I don't, but it feels good to sever that because there was a time and a day where I was, oh, whenever he calls, like, oh my gosh, oh, and the butterflies was all, was all out there. And I was like, oh, but now I'm like, okay. So if it's good when that toxic attachment that you, that, you know what I'm saying, that we've had either with, with guys or food or whatever that we're like okay we realize what we what who who we are and what we are actually worth so i'm thankful that i lost that toxic attachment no congratulations he was a he he was trying to test test to see your status that's why he called huh he was calling to check and see what your status was because he was trying to see if he can reel on his status and the funny thing is he don't know that i'm uh he doesn't know that i'm that i'm i don't know if he knows that i'm married because i i had blocked him on on facebook years back so i mean i don't you know what i'm saying i don't know but i'm like i don't really care i don't really have to mention those, those tidbits but i'm like i'm a happy woman you knew where your place was <laughs> Two, you know, say two plus years ago, so it ain't changed, ain't nothing changed but the rent. <laughs> that and but see, because you let that attack you go, like you were saying, because you let that attack you go, you were able to be in the ever flow of the inconsistencies that led you to Jay 
in us. So the impact of attachments when it comes to existence, you don't move. You stay locked in to where you are and you miss out on what's coming to you. And when the inconsistency hits you, everything shuts down. Everything shuts down. Now, one of the things, one of the things that helps when it comes to, one of the things that helps when it comes to actions is having a strong spiritual, a strong spiritual practice. Because spirituality is not about attachments. Spirituality is about the ebb and flow and being one with everything around you. So if you're one with everything around you, inconsistency is just a part of life. You don't think it's you don't think it's an inconsistency and a disruption when it gets cold outside and the grass freezes and dies. It is. But then come spring. We got grass as greener than it was before. It was good. You don't think we've interrupted the lives of nature and angels by building buildings and building parking lots and highways and that's inconsistent to them. But what do they do? They find a way around it. I've seen every woodpecker that exists, I think, right in my front yard. I've seen the woody woodpecker ones, the ones with the blue heads, those are red headed with the blue body. I've seen those. A red head with blue body. <laughs> I've seen the woody woodpeckers. I've seen, there's some that are like about this big. I've seen hawks. I've seen thousands. I've even seen a couple of thousands. I mean, I've seen all kinds of stuff right in my front yard. There's squirrels that hop from the pine trees to the oak trees just for fun. I've sat there and I've watched them play with each other. You don't think that house sitting right there in the middle of that land is not inconsistent to their natural environment? It absolutely is. But they're not attached to that. They're in the flow of the inconsistency. And when you are attached, when you have attachments, you have a resistance to change. That's attachments to relationships, attachments to who you are, attachments to what you desire in life. It creates resistance to change because we become fixated on one particular identity, one particular path. So for someone who, like me, who grew up not having to work hard for anything, everything came easily. I got everything I wanted, but my identity, I had an attachment to the identity of not of being the black sheep. That was that was the identity that I attached to. But as I've grown, as I've learned, 
that attachment destroyed the relationship with my mom. And I didn't see it. I, and I was resistant to anything my mom did. Um, from college, twice. <laughs> to, like, I was resistant to anything she did. I was resistant to her change. Her change. Because I was attached to the identity that my brother was a famous child. So I couldn't see her change. And that attachment to who she was in my reality destroyed a relationship. A very a relationship that would have been great because I now realize parents aren't supposed to baby you and give you everything you want. They're supposed to teach you until you no longer need them. And that's exactly what she was doing. She was teaching you until I no longer needed her. And she was doing the best she could with what she had. But I was resistant to that because I was attached and fixated on the identity of he's your favorite son, you're gonna do everything for him, and da 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 da, da whatever. So I'm just gonna do everything you do. So now I'm presenting a question to all of you. What change have you been resistant to because you've been attached to anything, to a feeling, to a person, to an identity? What resistance has come about your life and how has that hindered your growth? The floor is open. Well, you just pointed out to me. <laughs> What my attachment was, was just attached to a paycheck and the idea of, hey, okay, I get paid every month, so I'm relying on the payment every month and not relying on the God. <laughs> relying on God, you know. So, yeah, that has hindered me a great deal because I, I'll i tell myself, oh, it's coming, don't worry about it, it's coming, it's coming. But in the back of my mind, I still got this worry back here like, Lord, okay, I don't know how I'm going to pay this, I don't know how I'm going to pay this, you know. So it kind of canceled everything out. It canceled. <laughs> it canceled my positive affirmation out. So yeah, you just you just opened my eyes on that one. I I am appreciative. So I gotta yeah, I got some work to do. <laughs> I got some faith to do and some work to do. Mind, can I ask questions? Sure. So how has that attachment? What resistance has that attachment created? Um, this well, oh, okay, yeah. So I get it now. When it, it's you know, anytime Antonio had a product or a conference or something to sell, my brain was on uh, selling stuff so you can get this money and nothing else, you know. Yeah, I care whether it helped you, but after I get got you your product, that's it. I just I'm focused on this money. I gotta go to the next one, and so it was. I was resistant because he he would always tell me, "Hey, and you did too. You you gotta make a friend because the friends got the money. They gonna give you the money, but it doesn't stop after you give them the product. You have to con con stay consistent with them, keep up with them, make sure that you know they're happy with the product. If they have any questions, and and not just one time, but you gotta keep going, and you know so that they can so they can continue to love us, you know, and so. Um, yeah, I was just 
you know, I heard him, but I wasn't listening, you know? So yeah, I was, I was just fixated on, okay, if, if I don't work, I don't eat. I, I gotta, I gotta go, you know? So that is what I was resistant to. I was resistant to him telling me, hey, work this ATS model, the sales model, please. <laughs> so <laughs> work the sales model. <laughs> it will work if you work it. I know what I'm doing. So yeah. Yeah, my resistance. I'm not gonna throw something out here. Maybe it'll catch more people. So you know how you see this man or this woman, and they are like the shit, and you create this attachment or this fixation to an identity that you created for them. And you don't know them. You watch them from a distance. You dream of being with them. You have asphyxiation on them. And you created, you created and attached yourself to the identity of who you think they are. And then you get the opportunity to actually date them. And because you're going into this relationship based on your asphyxiation or attachment to who you created them to be in your mind, once you actually get with them, they're the complete opposite. You thought they were strong and brave and you walk all over them. You thought they were this amazing person and they turned out have the ego as big as the Empire State Building. But you're still attached to the to the identity that you created for them. And because of this attachment, you resist leaving because you still believe they can be the person that you're fixated on. Then here comes Simple John. Simple John is everything you've ever wanted, everything you've ever imagined. And you resist Simple John because rightly you're still fixated on the identity that you created around Bradley. So you live a miserable life. You don't ever seek the highest expression of yourself because you are resistant to the change between regular John and Bradley. So you stay with Bradley because you're fixated on that identity. Let's do the other side of this. You were fixated on Bradley. You met Bradley. You like, wait a minute. This is not what I thought you was. And you give Bradley some time just to see, you know, if the red flags that went off in your head were actually real. And they were. He was like, you know what, Bradley? I appreciate being with such a fine specimen as yourself. I'm gonna walk off. And then you meet everyday John. Here comes basic John. He comes into your life. And all of a sudden, you're flying around the world. 
you're walking into meetings you never thought you were walking into? Hold, 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 hold on one second. Grace. It, oh, okay. Grace, if you can take over for me real quick. This is Antonio, y'all. Give me one second. Okay. Well, this is, I don't know where she was going with basic John. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I will ask the question that she asked earlier. What, hey, Grace. What, yes, well, Grace, she was, talking, she was talking about you. So you both talk about yourself now. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Phil. I'm just messing with her. Do we need to let her know that something's going on with her mic? There, that audio, at least to me, is sounds like she's in a bucket and it's really bad. It's not as clean. Her audio is not as clean as your. Is everybody else experiencing that? Okay, uh, yeah. Um, and she, I believe she's in Starbucks, and so the background around her. Yeah, it sucks. It does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just me. Uh. Okay, Dion. Did I say that? Did I say that out loud? What happened? We talking about how your audio, your audio sucks. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. We wouldn't be meeting this morning if I would went to the house first. We would just be getting on. It would been an hour drive after dropping the kid off. So, my apologies, y'all. I do want to say one thing for you, Grace. And this has been running through my head. Appreciate your your, uh, your honesty, your authenticity. But what's running through my head is, number one, you were teaching and you were dependent on a paycheck. Yay. And then you knew it's time to transition. I got to do something different. So you were able to walk away from that teaching, but you were dependent on that paycheck because that paid the bills. Here's what's interesting, because I met you five years ago with ATS. And what I realized, and I've observed this, is that Antonio has changed the way ATS brings in revenue. When, when I got here, you was the SHIT. And it was, I mean, it was like, you know, Grace, you and Dion be, no. See, and, and, and that's how it was. Well, Antonio's changed that. And ATS is going to always do great. Antonio's going to do great. But he changed the way revenue came in. That affected you, Grace, because the way you were making money was through sales, direct sales. That changed. ATS is still growing, but that changed. So my brain was sitting there going, you went from school, then you were here and you were doing great. Then it changed. So I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that that's something I think you should look at in reference to depending on that paycheck because now it's like, now the ATS has changed the way it brings revenue in. How do I fit into that? Because I know, and uh, Antonio hooked you up with Ken and y'all had a little thing going or whatever. Y'all still may have something going, I don't know. I just know it's different now, okay? But you're still the same. Hello. You're still the same. Thank you, Ronnie. The Ron. things around you have changed. <laughs> yes. Just want to Thank say that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that, Ronnie. You you and D Marie punched me in the face, but I needed it. <laughs> Thanks so much. Sweet, <laughs> you, I'm surprised my face don't stay black and blue the way I be punching myself. 
So, so you guys, how has resistance to change impacted you and the attachments? How has that impacted you when it comes to being able to handle the inconsistencies of life? Anyone? The floor is open. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, gorgeous? Doing awesome. How are you? I'm good. Hey, Gracie Pooh. Happy birthday again. I think I texted you on your birthday, but I'm not sure, just in case I missed it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. <laughs> Am I like a week late or like a day? No, it was on Saturday. Okay. <laughs> okay. Happy birthday. No, Um. well... Inconsistencies are actually planned. We don't realize that we plan our inconsistencies when we ask for the things that we ask for. You can't ask for growth and you can't ask for change and still ask for consistency. You can't ask for improvement. You can't ask for relief of stress. You can't ask for a better relationship. You can't ask for more income and expect things to stay consistent because you're asking for change. So when it comes to inconsistencies, just staying in a constant state of flow and knowing that this is gonna change if I'm getting what I want, then you really would adjust more easily because you have to master that law of detachment. Law of detachment doesn't mean you don't care. It means I care deeply but I'm not focused on the outcomes. I'm not even focused on the process. I'm focused on the present. So I'm detached from what doing this right thing right now is going to produce because I know this is the right thing to do right now for what I'm trying to get to. Now that might change my tomorrow, but it's planning my next week or my next month or whatever it is that you're planning for. So you have to be ready for those inconsistencies and know that they are coming. And just kind of expect them instead of do things without expectation and you won't get stuck in inconsistencies. If you love someone and you love them without the expectation that they love you in return, they cannot hurt you. You're loving them because you choose to. If you go to work, you expect to be paid because that's the contract that you signed. Unless you sign something or you have some type of emotional, verbal, physical contract that says this is what's supposed to happen, you really have to detach from the outcomes. Because there's nothing in stone that says this is what's going to happen. You're saying, I want to change this thing. If I decide I want to lose weight, so I'm going to stop drinking sodas. Regardless of whether I lose weight or not, I just did something healthy for my body. Now, some people don't lose weight like that. That, that's not going to help. That might not help them. They might need to stop eating carbs or whatever the thing is that they're eating. But they did do that one thing. And that one thing was healthy for them. It just didn't have the expectation. So then they get sad like a month later when they've lost two pounds and haven't had their favorite drink in 30 days. Because they were tied up with the <laughs> with the expectation versus the process because they're not caring that they're healing their body. They're just not getting what they thought they would get. They're still getting benefits. So just being in flow with what you ask for and being okay with the changes occurring so that you may get it. Because you know, if you stop the sodas, the strawberry cake might follow. 
<laughs> no, thank you. Thank you very much for those wise words because that that is that is what it is. Like you now the scheduling, the inconsistencies. That was that was new for me. I, I like that one because when you go left, you automatically create right. So when you decide this is what I want, you're gonna get hit with the inconsistencies because you it's not what you it's not what you've been in. And if you attach to where you at. You can you, your whole life is about to get you can flip a table on your whole life. If you stuck where you are, you can if you attach to where you currently are, you can flip a table on your whole life. So I ain't gonna lie, I got attached to the I the my identity of I don't have to work hard because everything came easy to me. So when I get hit with the inconsistency of gotta work, <laughs> I'd be like, wait, what you mean? No, I have to do that. This is who I am. I got that. Everything comes to me easy. But because I have learned and I have grown and I have developed a strong spiritual practice, I understand now that at some point in my life, there's going to be work that is going to have to be put in because what I'm doing is different. It's not the same as who I was. Who I was, things came easy. That's not the case anymore. It still comes easy, but there's work that goes into it now. So I had to let go of the attachment of my old identity. I had to let that identity go. I had to let go of perfection, of the identity that I'm perfect. I had to let go of the identity that I'm the greatest person ever. Like, <laughs> like these these things have to be released in order for me to be enslaved in my inconsistencies that I have scheduled. Go ahead. Why do you have to let go of that? Because it, it didn't serve me. Mm. It did not serve me. For, for where, for what I desire and where I'm going and for the decisions that I have made, the attachment of who I used to be, I had to let go of. I had to let go of those attachments. Because to have those attachments where I'm going, I will never get them. Would it feel better if you, and this is just the question, would it feel better if you changed your perspective on per, on perfect and your perspective on work? Oh, yes, it, it has been better because I, I, I you wouldn't feel day. like you have to work and you would still be perfect. You would just change your perspective, change where you where you stand. It's still an attachment to an outcome because you think perfect has to look a certain way or work has to feel a certain way or look a certain way. So you make that experience way more difficult. You could just this isn't work. This is just, you know, I'm doing it. It's for whatever reason, whatever it is for you. For me, it's documentation because I it's not something I don't. I just rather tell people what I think and have them write it for me. <laughs> Unless I'm writing something fun, I rather just tell somebody else and let them let them figure that out. Put it up, put it on a book somewhere, and do that. But I had to redefine why I looked at it that way because I am a perfectionist, and when people do write it, they don't write it the way I would have wrote it. So it's fun for me. 
to write it the way I want to write it. It's not necessarily work. It's work for me to have to edit it when they do it. So I just had to redefine that perspective for me because that was something that was hard for me at once. Yeah, and that's actually, that is exactly what I had to do. I, I had to redefine, had to redefine, I actually like literally had to redefine what work looked like to me. I had to do that. I had to redefine that. I had to redefine what, I had to redefine how I looked in my dream because how I looked in my dream, I was attached to that. Now, how I look in my dream is in flow with what comes that allows my dream to come to me. Because to me, work, work is eight to five. I don't, I don't, and I had to redefine what that looked like in order for me to reach where I want to go. Because what I want to do is not an eight to five situation. And now what I'm learning is how to set boundaries because what I do is not an eight to five situation. <laughs> it is a 24 seven, seven day a week, 365 days a year thing. So now it's now, but if I was attached to eight to five, I wouldn't be able to have that awareness enough to know, okay, this is not eight to five. So now you have to redefine what it looks like to you. And in the redefinition of that, now you have to set boundaries because you know who you are. You know you are going to get overwhelmed. You know you're going to wear yourself out. You're just going to shut down. And with the dream that you want, you no longer have space to shut down. So you need to you need to redefine what your weekends look like. You need to redefine what your work time looks like. And I'm in the process of redefining that now because I just walked into this. <laughs> so, but yeah, you when you redefine what things look like to you, that is, oh, that is transcending your inconsistency. Because when you get hit with inconsistencies, like, okay, cool. Well, that didn't work. So let me redefine how it's going to look and try that out. Yes, ma'am, go ahead. I mean, what you're saying that you're, starting to do now um you know i went through that same thing because i had you know i went to college and i learned the structured way that you know you were supposed to work and then i went to those places you know and i mean i was interviewed for a government type position you know with and there are you talk about structure and rules and everything a certain way and locking everything up and all, you know, and if you leave something, you only have three strikes and you're out. Um, so it was intense for that. And then, you know, uh, my other jobs, you know, um, I worked for a vice president of a big bank and they had regulations and rules. Um, now, when I went to Cape Cod, I sat my own because it was a new position. And because I knew all the structure, I was able to put it all together and all that. And I had some flexibility and I did go in and work on weekends and things like that because, you know, I had a responsibility to get everything done. So it was kind of a little taste of it. And then I met Phil 
And I couldn't, you know, like I said, the first time I made arrangements for my good friends, we were going out on their boat on the lake and having a cookout and the whole thing. And we get out on the boat and about 20 minutes later, he was done, ready to leave. And like, you know, we had planned the entire day and cooking out because he was doing the entrepreneur thing. And, you know, he had to, he was in our town marketing bank stock to the small independent banks there. So he had, you know, he wanted to call people in the evenings or meet with people at different times at their convenience. So, you know, that was the first taste of it. And then when we started our business, you know, we might fly out somewhere and it may be because of a distance that it is, we may be gone for quite a few days and we're working all those days. So not only travel time and all of that and the client's time, but everything that goes for ourselves, and then, you know, getting back to work when you come back. So you take your work with you. You don't just leave it behind. So you're always working. Uh, and so what you're saying is what, you know, the reality of you going from that structure to, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's, you know, you're learning what it takes and the responsibilities that it takes um, to keep commitments and all the things that, that go on with it. And it it's hard at first, you know. But then when you get in the flow, it's exciting. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because and of the other fun things you get to do in the middle of it all. Right. Yeah. Now, and you made a perfect point because when I was in corporate America, shifting to being entrepreneur, I was attached to the corporate America schedule. Monday through Friday, eight to five, weekends off. I ain't got to talk to nobody. I ain't got to hear from nobody. Work ends at 5 p.m. on Friday and it picks back up at 8 a.m. on Monday. And I was attached to that schedule. So becoming an entrepreneur, I went into being an entrepreneur with an employee mindset. And when I tell you resistance was strong, because I was attached to that schedule. Paycheck, not so much. I don't know what is wrong with me. Because I'm weird. Like, in my head, I'm going to get more money than I did in that paycheck doing this. But because I was attacked. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. To the employee's schedule and the mindset, I was in, had that resistance of working on the weekends 
or working past five o'clock or working before 8 a.m. My entrepreneurial journey did not surpass what I made as an employee because of the resistance. But the moment I was like, man, you know what? As Antonio has told us from the book we read, I had to do something I've never done before to get where I wanted to go. So I had to I had to shift that mindset. I had to release the attachment of the eight to five and weekends and had to say, okay, I'm just going to be working when I work. You know, sometimes I'll get a text message or a phone call 11 something at night. Because Antonio decided that he wanted to do something. So we call him Grace. <laughs> or he talking to Grace and I get through it. And it's like, wait a minute. You know, we're 40 plus years into this and we worked all weekend. So, you know, it, but you know, if you need to go do something, you know, something comes up, you need to go do something. You don't have to report to anybody. You go do it. You know, something, you know, you're not reporting to anybody. So you're, you know, you're your own boss. Right. And, and you know how Phil, Phil defines a boss. Can you define it for us real quick, Mr. Phil, for those of us that have not heard you define what a boss is? Double SOB backwards. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. <laughs> I had a word that popped in my head. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let that go. <laughs> so those attachments. So okay. So I'm gonna give you guys. You know, sometimes I give you guys homework. Not homework that you need to come back and be like, okay, so this is what I did. But I give you homework just so you can think and work on you so i want you to ask yourself what attachments or what am i attached to that is hindering my growth or what it, what are the attachments that are impacting my flow with inconsistency I'm going to tell y'all something for as long as I had an attachment on what type of mama I was going to be and that did not work out I was going to be the perfect mother I was going to show up to everything at school I was going to be on the PTA I was going to be a, a, a class I was going to be the, the class mommy of the class period I was going to do this and I was going to do that I did show up to everything. I was every place. I was like them that saying, every place you want to be, that was me. I had such a rapport with the um with the with the staff at the art school. They were like, oh no, don't even call Miss Carter. Because we know what she's gonna do. She's gonna handle these kids. And if we did something, she's gonna handle us. Oh no, don't call Miss Carter. Do not call her. And I was working from home too. Hey, hey, I'm logging off. I'll see you all in an hour or so. No, don't call Miss Carter. Don't call her. She's going to show up. 
well, see, for me, that's that was the attachment that I had to the perfect mother. My mom and my grandmother and my dad showed up to everything. So I was going to surpass that and live in the school. <laughs> I was going to be the perfect mother. I was going to be the perfect child. And I was attached to that. So when you were and are. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so being attached to that specific image, I resisted a lot, including Don, because he wasn't fitting in the image and the identity that I had attached to him. So I got to a point, I was like, I am not the adulting parent. First off, I don't like adulting. So why would I be adulting as a parent? And then, <sighs> that needs to be on a shirt. <laughs> so then, as I started, I just sometimes I would just watch Don without him even knowing, knowing that I was watching him. And I sat back one day and I was like, I, and I, I presented myself two different ways to him. I presented myself as mommy, and then I presented myself as ma, you know, like, hey. And I realized that for him, when I dropped the attachment of being the perfect mother and just being with him, our relationship changed. And now I'm in the process of redefining it again because he's older now. And the the first way I did it did work because me and him was always fashion. The second way I did it did work, but now it's the aspect of being called bruh about my eight year olds. Like, okay, hold on. But I throw it right back at it. He's like, bruh, and I look at it, and then he'll look at me because he knew he said he crossed the line when I give him that look. Like, hold on. First off, I'm not your bruh. Secondly, bruh, I wouldn't have to call your name five times if you would answer me the first time I called your name. And now he's learned tone. When he talks to me, I'll always tell him, watch your tone. So we were in the car one day, he said something to me, and I how we was at a stoplight. He was at a light. And I, that is a cute topper name. And we was at the stoplight. He said something to me, and Grace, I did that mama turn on me. He's like, mommy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, mommy. I'm sorry. I'll watch my tone. <laughs> so now he's he's catching it. But if I would have stayed stuck and attached to that identity, I wouldn't have the relationship that I have with him. Like now I randomly get, you're great. You're awesome. Like my kid tells me this. And he's like, oh, cool. Okay, I'm doing so right. That'll work. <laughs> But if I was stuck in that attachment of perfect mommy, I would have destroyed this little eight-year-old. Like, he would not be the kid he is. So when you, are, when you attach yourself to an identity, when you attach yourself to an identity, a person, a feeling, you can attach yourself to a certain emotion and not allow yourself to feel anything else because you're so attached to this emotion. 
that when the inconsistency of another emotion hits you, you shut it down. So the question that I'm asking is, what am I attached to that is hindering my growth? That's your homework question. You ain't gonna answer that question right. Unless somebody wanna jump on the sword and answer that question. You know mine. I just want to say that. You know mine. I'm, I'm, that's what I got to work on. Yes, ma'am. We will converse. <laughs> now, let's talk about detachment and the benefits of detachment. Because when you detach, like, like uh, Sheena was saying, being detached is not bad. You're just not stuck in what that is and it allows you to be in a flow of the inconsistency that you've already scheduled so we know one thing for sure there is consistency and inconsistency see detaching yourself allows you to navigate the changes and the fluctuations and the flow more gracefully and it's, it's not the detachment of you dead to me type of attachment. It's the detachment of, like Sheena was saying, I'm just, this does not, this does not serve me. So I'm going to detach from this because this particular thing does not serve me. Just like you can detach from family, but not shut them off. You're just detaching yourself because you I know some people who are so attached to their family that their lives revolve around the drama of their family. They're the fixer-uppers in their family. They're the ones that everybody runs to because they're so attached to the identity of being the person in their family. But the moment they decide, hey, I am not that person anymore. You are grown. You need to figure it out for yourself. And they detach themselves. They they're able to be in the flow of watching their family grow. There are time there. There's one time I remember specifically me and my brother. He made a huge mistake, and of course, it's mistakes that I've made before. And anytime he makes the same mistakes I make, he'd be like, "Can you help me?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, I got you." And I'll tell him what to say to our parents or how to you know you know maneuver through the situation. Well, this one time. I had to tell him, I said, hey, bro, I said, this one, you on your own with this one. I can't help you with this one. Because what happened was, dad sent him money for books. He asked dad for more money. Because he spent the money for the books. He spent a little of his rent money, too. So when dad came up to visit, he needed a little extra money. He needed some rent and some books. And he told me the whole story, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, I had to detach myself from the identity of being the big sister that fixes everything. And the moment I did that, this little boy right here, he stood up, handled his business. He didn't get killed. He's still here. My dad chain smoked a pack of cigarettes that day, but you know, uh. <laughs> My brother even told me, he said, I saw dad smoke four cigarettes back to back. I was like, dude, I was like, don't say nothing. Just don't just shut up. Don't say nothing. Don't talk. Let him do that, okay? 
I'm correct. I'm trying to just, just that's the one advice piece of resignation. But if I stayed, if I stayed attached to the big sister that fixes everything, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have grown to be able to do that. And then I would have stuck myself in the middle of something that was not meant for me to stick myself in the middle of. Go ahead, Sheena. I was trying to close the blinds so I can get rid of some of the rear. Um, no, I was, the law of detachment correlates to the law of, the, it's a spiritual law. Like, you know, there's seven universal laws. So the law of detachment is actually one of those laws, but you can't actually master it until you master the law of pure potentiality. And can you hear me? You say it again. I'm at Starbucks, so you know, it's an extra. You can't actually master the law of detachment until you master the law of pure potentiality. And that is the art of being present because you can't detach from the future if you don't know how to be present. You can't even detach from the past. You can't do your shadow work until you learn how to be present. I'll put, is it okay? If it's okay with you, I'll put a video. I made a video about it. It's on YouTube. I'll post it so that you, cause I made like a couple years ago, I made videos on all the laws. There is one in particular that I'm going to post. It's not even the one on the law of detachment because there's no point in trying to do it if you can't be present. So if you can't be okay where you are, if you can't be perfect in this moment, if everything about this moment cannot feel divine, you cannot, it's going to be very difficult for you to detach. So learning how to feel divine in every present moment, even when it's unpleasant, Divinity doesn't mean happy. It means it's supposed to be this way. It's perfect the way it is. Doesn't mean it feel good. It don't mean it's what I thought is going to happen. It means, you know what? I stomped my toe. It hurt like hell. I'm okay with that. What was I not paying attention to in this moment? Let me look around. I should have saw that table because I should have been here. I stumped my toe because I was thinking about something else while I was walking around or I wasn't paying attention to my surroundings. That table been there. Unless on a rare occasion, somebody just threw a table in your path. But typically, that's not what happens. I'm not saying it can't. I'm saying it's rare. But <laughs> learning how to be present in those moments will prevent you from stumping your toe, which means you can be detached from the idea that if I'm not careful, I'll stomp my toe. So mastering the law of pure potentiality allows you to detach. So yes, to mute you, please, please share that link. Can y'all hear me? I heard the little sound. Yes. One of my ear open. Thank you, James. Now I know which one I gotta charge. I don't know why they don't die evenly or <laughs> no, but thank you. Thank you for that, Sheena present you have to be one of the greatest things that i've learned about transcending inconsistency or mastering the inconsistencies of your life is what she just said be present have i mastered being present yeah no i ain't mastered being present <laughs> i stubbed my toe just the other day <laughs> she god god stubbed his toe on the day like hey. but 
you know what? Perfect example. And watching Dawn, I know how I zone out. Because when he has his game in front of him or YouTube in front of him, he don't hear nothing, he don't see nothing. He will try to walk while playing his game. I'm like, you can't see and walk. You can't play the game and see what's in front of you while walking at the same time. So he lets you, so watching him lets me know that I need to learn, I need to master being present in the moment so he can learn how to master being present in the moment. Because all he's doing is watching me. He's doing exactly what he see me doing. He's so loving and caring because I'm so loving and caring to him. But if I show meanness and anger and abuse him, all he's going to do is show meanness and anger and abuse. I tell you, that boy is a mirror. It ain't even funny how much of a mirror he is. Wait till you turn into a teenager and hurt your feelings by being like you. Jesus, you can't even be mad. <laughs> he already did that. He was doing that. Know- in the throat because she act like me. You just want to cut off her air circulation. She always gets. She you just want to chop her in the neck sometimes, but you can't. Hey, <laughs> look, I had moments with one would chop him in his neck where he was like three or four because he used to tell me all the time, "I hate it here, mommy. I'm gonna go stay with my daddy. I don't love you anymore." So three or four, and one day, and, and I had it. I had it. When I have real conversations with Don, he catches me. So I pulled him to me one day. I say, look, I say, I love you. But what we not going to do is you're not going to purposely hurt my feelings no more. You saying all this, it officially does not affect mommy anymore. So what we not going to do is we not going to do that. Because he was doing it to my mom. And I told her, I said, mom, you got to shut that down. But that's when I was... If I stayed attached to who I was, that would have broken me because in my eyes, I was not the perfect mommy. That's why he didn't love me and that's why he didn't want to be with me. But when I learned to detach, when I detached myself from that identity, I had to stand up for myself to a three-year-old because I taught him how to be mean with his words. And let me tell y'all something. That hurt. I ain't gonna lie. The first couple of times he said about my poor little heart broke. Yeah, blame his daddy. You didn't teach him that. His daddy taught him how to be ugly. Let's blame somebody else. I don't. <laughs> I've never seen you be me. Oh. <laughs> I ain't said I ain't never seen it. But let's blame somebody else. It'll make you feel better. That's what I do. <laughs> no, I had to take that one. No, I had to. That was she not had to take because you can ask Grace. I, my mouth is horrible. <laughs> I, and I got it from my mama. I can cut you down with my words and you'll walk away. And then like 10 minutes later, you'll be like, wait a minute. Did she just, did she just do that? Like, that hurt. <laughs> like you get a delayed, a delayed reaction. And that's what he does. And so I had to win. He doesn't do it anymore. You know, he, he doesn't do it anymore. So your attack, whatever your, what I am currently learning to do is to detach from everything outside of me so that I can become 
the me that I'm desiring to become. Like I have to, I have to detach from being the emotional eater. And once I realized I eat the worst when I'm going through something emotionally, I had to teach myself, okay, you need to detach from food based on your emotions. Then I had to detach from my perfection because being attached to the identity of being perfect, I was nowhere near perfect. And trying to be perfect was like carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders because I'm walking around with this avatar of perfection when deep down inside, I am the most important person on the planet. And once I started living in the perfection of being imperfect, which is still a journey, things happen, things flow easier for me. From parenting, to friendships, to relationships, to after that friendships, I need to <laughs> clear up now because I was attached to a certain business. So being able to release, being able to release attachment, being able to release the attachment to this place, this lifetime, the things that happen within it, being able to detach from that and just be is the greatest thing that any of us can do. Oh yeah, nice. I think the drive we picked up. Hold on. <laughs> and then what I had to do was balance who I was with the detachment because I think you know how you know that question that we always ask ourselves like who am I? And when you say I don't know who I am, that's because you attach yourself to the identity that somebody else gave you, or you attach yourself to an identity that you you created as a child. And so now you're lost because it's not who you are. It's not your identity. So now you have to have to detach from being the perfect little girl, have to detach from being my mom's perfect daughter for me to live. Because everything I did, I did for the approval of my mother. And when I didn't get her approval, it broke me. So I had to detach myself from being the perfect daughter and always seeking my mother's approval. And the moment I did that, my mom got all my books. If I tell her today, hey, I have a speaking engagement coming up, she's going to buy a ticket. She just got back into town, so I ain't talked to her yet. Your name's been choking me. Me and her just had a conversation. You know, she she texting her brothers and sisters about my stuff. Like I had somebody text me, Oh, I didn't know you had a breakout, send me the link. And I'm like, I don't even know you. Like <laughs> because I detached myself from being the perfect daughter. And when I detached myself from that, I became the perfect daughter. The the daughter that gets the approval that I, I used to pray for. I had to detach myself from that identity. And then embracing change and letting go. Like how how many raise your hands if it's hard for you to let them go? Let 
Me and Grace, the only two people that have a hard time letting stuff go. Oh, y'all are wonderful. Y'all are wonderful people. I have a hard time letting people go. Yeah, sorry. In what way? I have a hard time people go. Not necessarily stuff. Anything can go, but people. I have I have attachment issues to people. In what way are you speaking of? Letting just letting stuff go, letting go of people, letting go of places, letting go of things, letting go of emotions. Okay, I have a problem with letting go of emotions and situations that happen. But I, I'll let go of people, but that's not the issue. It's just <laughs> emotions and what they did is, is what get me. And see, Talisha, I'm the opposite of that. Like, I can let go of the emotion. Forgiveness is easy for me. I can let go of everything or anything that you did, but I will let that person linger. If they want to stay, I let them stay. It's not healthy. Don't do not do that. <laughs> don't do that. That's not me saying do that. That's just me saying that. I will like, delete you in a minute, a moment's notice. You are deleted. I forgive you, but you no longer exist. Yeah. I'll forgive you. Please you, proceed to station. But that I don't care if you stay. Is he? I'm with. Go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, now I was going to say I'm with Talisha to let you go. But let but let go of that emotion in the situation. That's those stuff from ten years ago still pop up in my head every morning. And I and I get that, and I'm like, man, you know what? I, I Man, I wish I would have. <laughs> well, because the emotion is what's toxic to me. Mm. Let go of the feeling. I can let go of anything that's not good for me. But being that person that likes to help people, I never know if you're going to need me. So I tend to let you hang on just in case you need me. And Ooh. yeah, like I forgive you. But just in case you need me again, you can stay right there. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> my god yeah so that's interesting just in case just you can just in case you need me again i can let go of the most just in case you need me again <laughs> you can be the most toxic person in the world but just in case you need me again i'll let yeah. you leave oh, don't pick up but you gotta go <laughs> that's a horrible and i know sometimes for for me I give I give people chance uh, I give people chances you know what I'm saying but once Renee's done I'm done and um, the uh, you off you off my Facebook you off of all my social medias I don't I mean I'm not I'm not hateful with it necessarily not anymore I was in the past I was like well man f you now I don't care man you went you and your high dog water smelling breath. Um, I don't care, but now I'm just like, all right, you know, they're cool for somebody, just not for Renee. And so you can just be like that, like that song, just fade into the background. I wish the best for you. Um, but you know, you're not coming back if you say Renee, you forgive me. Oh, yeah, I've been forgave you. You know, what I'm saying, look at me, I'm glowing. I, I have forgiven you. I wish you love and light. But now I mean you got now I mean you coming back over in my in my house either. I don't need you trying to like yeah, I, I miss snuffing Renee the first time. Now I'm gonna see if I can come back so I can snuff her again. 
nice try home skillet. You can stay over there, but I What's wish you love and light. I don't, I don't need no haters. I don't need no hot dog smelling people over over here in my in my in in my sphere. I don't need any of that. So, but I wish you the best. So uh, it's it's What's your, uh, huh? Zodiac sign. I'm a cancer. <laughs> yep. So I'm just sort of like, but it took a long time because I would keep people in my life a whole lot longer than their stay at the party was. They would stay a whole lot longer. And I was like, and I cut myself plenty because I was like, oh, they could, they could stay. You can kind of do a dosey -si do in my life. But now I'm like, no, no more dosey -si dos. You know, if you don't, if you're not going, if you're not going to um, help me or, or, you know what I'm saying? If, if it's not about that and we're not helping each other and I'm giving and you're just taking, I can't, and I'm a giving person. I'll, I'll give a person a shirt off my back. But if you, if I say, okay, I'm going through something and I can't even call you, but you feel like you can call me all the time. But I give people chances a lot. But when I'm done, I'm like, all right, I'm gone. So. I'm going to bring something up. Hmm. It, it just literally just popped in my head. How many of you have attachment to certain emotions? So much so to the point where you will not let another person in because you're attached to the pain that the last person you let in caused? So that was me. I'm very much so, like I said, just like Talisha, I get attached to emotions. So if you, if I feel hurt by you, I stay attached to that emotion. So anybody that comes around that resembles your, who you are, your energy, looks like you, acts like you, I instantly turn loose. Ain't no, let me see. Ain't no, oh, they may be different. And this is for anybody. This is, so with my mom, it was, I felt like she, she hurt me in her leadership of me. So nobody can leave. I will leave my damn self because I'm not going to hurt you. And look what that, well, I missed out on a few degrees, but you know. <laughs> but learning how to go ahead, Felicia. No, you could finish what you were saying. I would just raise my hand for after you finish. Gotcha. But I am in the process of learning how to, like I said, just how to detach from. I'm learning how to detach from the protective me so I can live my life. Because over the years, when I was younger, I created an avatar to protect myself because I didn't want to feel that feeling again. I didn't want to get hurt again. I didn't want this. I didn't want that. And I lived my, I was attached to that protector of my avatar. 
the being attached to that that avatar. Anybody who came at me that triggered that pain, the avatar instantly was cut off. But that stopped me from being able to sit here and have conversations with you guys. Because the people who hurt me, I was transparent with. They knew me. They knew how to hurt me. So being transparent with someone and giving them my deepest, darkest self, that wasn't happening. Like, that's not going to happen. But in order for me to do what I do, I have to be transparent. I can't teach you how to heal yourself if I'm not showing you that. If, if, I, if I never showed you I was broken. So I had to detach myself from my protector avatar so that I could grow, which in which was a double blessing because I detached myself from the emotion itself. Not that I'll never feel it again, but I released that so that I could grow. Like I have conversations all the time with myself. Like, hey, you doing this this time? Normally, that's how we would do it. But how about we do it a little different this time? Like, I have to, I have to, first I have to calm down. Be like, okay, I, I, I understand it feels like it did last time, but what if it's different? Like, I have to ask these questions. What if it's different? And I have to ask these questions to myself. But learning how to let go and detach from emotion, old old, dried up, raising emotions. I have to detach from that. And that allowed me to handle some of the inconsistencies that come my way now. Like, because I'm on the low flow. Now, look, I ain't mastered it, y'all. It is not mastered. Okay, I'm still on this journey. But go ahead, please. Um... So for me, I'm currently learning how to not allow my emotions to affect my prosperity. Um, like sometimes my emotions would used to get to where whatever I'm feeling that day depends on whether I'm going to do what I need to do for myself or for my business or, you know, so I noticed like to let go of those emotions, even if it's for a while, let them go. Because when you create, you, you don't need to be in that energy. So yesterday I was in that energy and I got out of energy and they was able to create what I wanted to create. However, I do notice that emotion will come back up later on that day. Like, how can I say it? Yesterday, I feel like my emotions was all over the place because of my thoughts, the stuff that I was thinking about, my situation and stuff that's going on right now. And I'm putting myself on a timeline right now, right? You only got two more weeks and something better start shaking. In fact, it better shake this week. Um, but with that being said, I think my worry and the weight of things was getting to me yesterday. And I literally sat outside on my balcony and I was just like, God, you throw me all these signs. I don't see no, I don't see no results here. I know they're coming. However, it's just um, me. I guess me thinking about what have happened in the past with certain people. Y'all, y'all remember when I was telling you about partnership, partnering with different people. 
And so one of my homegirls, we went to school to college together and she's, she's doing kind of similar to what I'm doing, but she's in the fashion industry, right? And so she got on Facebook and was letting us know that she was closing her boutique down and she had her reasons. This whole time I had no idea she was doing her boutique and she was doing fashion. That correlates to what I'm doing, right? So I had, even, I think I uh, hit up on Facebook and because her number, that I guess she got a new number. So I was thinking like, should I have reached out to her? Should I have not? Yada, yada, yada in my head. Just like all these negative thoughts come into my head, right? And these thoughts of what if it don't work right? What is her intentions? What are your intentions? She's like, you know, all these things because I'm thinking about bad partnership back in the day with people I have worked with. And those emotions of remembering, like you were talking about earlier, those emotions that I, I had to things that happened in the past, it was it was occurring. I was just like, this is my friend. Like, I shouldn't have these emotions, but I was having them. And I didn't hear from her. She didn't reply back to me or anything. And then later on that night, after I had just finished speaking to God, I got a text message from her. She gave me her phone or her new number. And she was like, hit me up, you know? So it's just like, okay, yes. Okay, God, I think that's a sign. You tell me to go ahead and reach out to her. She hit me back up. But then I'm just still in that mindset of what if this happens, you know? Um, and it was something else that was bothering me yesterday. And I was just like, my faith was wavering. That's what it was. My faith was wavering yesterday. And I went back to blaming what had happened to me of why I'm in this situation. I was like, I wouldn't be here if this wouldn't happen. You know, and I started like, God, why they ain't being punished? God, why, you know what I mean? Like, why do good people get hurt in such a situation? Where's the justice to, you know, I'm not the only one that experienced what occurred to me. There's so many other people. And I was just like, how many, how more, how many more people are being hurt with this same situation? This at will law. You know what I mean? Did this, this it, it's ridiculous. And it's sad how companies do good people. So all that was going in my head. My faith was wavering, my doubt whether I should partner with people, and then um blaming others for the situation, wanting justice for their behavior. Does, does that make sense? So that it's all on the realm of emotions and my thoughts. So I definitely need to clear that because one thing I don't, well, did I say don't? I don't know if that's the right word to say, but making sure I'm aligning myself with what God has already, the signs he's been showing me and not to allow deadlines to get to me because at the end of the day, I have a lovely daughter that I'm trying to show you can do this. And I'm the only example she actually has right now. So it's the weight is really heavy on me because I don't want her to be like, well, mommy, you, you said, you know, you was going to do your business and this and this, but I see you doing this over here. You know, so that's another thing I'm I'm questioning. Like, I want her to let her know she can live her dreams, but I first have to be that role model for her. And that's why this is so heavy for me, because I want to make sure I'm doing and setting the example I need for her so that she can live the life that she, she can believe that uh, things can come true in her life. Uh, Tina has her hand up. I'm going to let her go ahead and respond to you. 
Hello, my love. So the thing of it is, it's not, it's not directed towards Felicia or anybody else. The problem that we have is people are trying to heal their emotions instead of dig out the root of where they come from. That's where shadow work ensues. And that's going back to those memories before the age of eight, figuring out why you feel that way. Because at the end of the day, you're not in the situation. No one's in a situation because of anything that any company or anybody else did. We're in a situation because of a choice that we made. And we made that choice because of choices that were made for us before it was time for us to make choices. And we don't go back to that place sort that out and dig that up so that we no longer make those choices once you do that you no longer have those attachment issues you no longer have to heal anything that's why shadow work is so important i don't know i can't remember what the christian term for it is but i call it shadow work but i know there's another term for it grace could probably figure it out but <laughs> it's all the same thing just with different words but it's about going back to the root of the issue because your root probably stems from before you were three and why you chose that job and why you feel that way and understanding that your decisions won't determine your daughter's taking that responsibility off of yourself because you could be a billionaire and she could go not do anything of that sort. That has nothing to do with you. She's going to make her own choices based on her experiences before she was the age of eight. And if you were, if she was loved and she was loved properly and she was protected and she was cared for, that's all you can do because it's not going to be your responsibility. And as a mother, I've had to accept that. I've raised three children. I have one daughter, but I've raised three children. One is 25, one is 24. One is ideal. I mean, the girl is spectacular. I'm so fucking proud of her. But, <laughs> and mind you, she was the one that was so very difficult to raise because she had a disease. She was in a coma for months. She had neither of her parents. You know, she had every odd stacked against her, but the kid is immaculate at 25. I'm pretty sure her relationship's healthier than mine. <laughs> and then there's the one right up under her who had the exact same things and all of the, all of the things, and he went a different way. I can't control that. The 17-year-old is her own exquisite being. She ain't who I want her to be. But she, but I love who she is. And you can only get there and you get, and I'm using my kids in as, as an example, but it's the same thing with your job, with your mother, with your siblings, with the people that you have in your life. Because you don't, they're not making their decisions based on you, whether they tell you they are or not. Just like you're not making your decisions based on them. You're making those decisions based on that root core of that problem that exists in your root chakra that is building everything else. So you have to heal those things at the bottom and figure out why they are there and who caused them and how to fix them. And those are the things that you release. And once you release that, you release everything else. Now, releasing everything does allow you to be vulnerable to the thing that I said earlier. Like I have this slew of people behind me that I've never let go of that still have access. Now, I'm not silly enough to let them come back and hurt me, but if they needed me, I would do it because I didn't help them for them. I didn't do what I did for them. I helped them because I felt like it was the right thing to do at that moment. For whatever my other reasons were at the time, I did whatever I did because I felt like it was the right thing to do at that moment. And whether that resulted in me being hurt or not, it's not up to them. 
it had to do with my issues, my attachments, the things that I had within myself. So we can never, I know I was joking with Deanna about blaming your baby daddy because, you know, that's always fun, but, <laughs> but it's not accurate, but it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to do sometimes just because they might deserve it <laughs> or it might just make you feel better at the moment, but it's not an accurate thing to do consistently. So you just have to figure out what those root things are. Like, you know, I teach a shadow work program and I've done all these things and I tell people I make them do it so we go through a process. And sometimes that process takes a couple of weeks. Sometimes it takes a couple of days. Sometimes it takes an hour and a half because they know exactly what that thing was. Or they know an area around that thing. And you remember things that you don't know you remember. So when you go into the state of remembrance and doing that shadow work, you'll figure out, oh, yeah, I am this way because my dad was close to me and he loved me so well that I felt like my mother was jealous of me. First of all, Ain't nobody asks you, Sheila. <laughs> because we're like that daddy love. Oh my God, my daddy loved me so well, but you don't understand that that caused the trauma. I had a client tell me one day last week, she was like, there's this girl I miss. And I, she was like, yeah, we were friends when we were like eight. And she was my, I was like, so you trauma bonded with another person at the age of seven over abuse and have been wondering where this person is for 30 years. We need to fix that. You don't miss your friend. You miss that trauma bond that you created with a child that was going through the same shit you was going through. That's not okay. So we need to heal the thing that you went through so you no longer miss her. So everybody don't like to talk to me. <laughs> but I you, mean, have you to just broke down two things for me and I'm sitting here like, hey, you know this guy <laughs> But you have to release those core things and when she released those core things, It'll be easier. Nothing else will attach because it has nothing to attach to because the root's gone. It just falls off. So we'll figure out what those core things are. <laughs> Trust me. If, if she's going to offer you advice, I want to take it. You can throw that out there. You can throw that out there. Throw it out there a couple of times. Okay. Well, y'all, we're not going to stay on here long today, but I want to thank all of you for your transparency. Thank you, Sheena. Thank you, Talisha. Thank you, Uncle Ronnie Rome. Thank you, Miss Susan, Grace, Renee, Trinace. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Field. He gave us his definition of boss, double SOB backwards. So, in my head, Stupid is that first <laughs> But I would love for all of you to join. Uh, go ahead, Mr. Phil. Yeah, tonight we've got uh, Return to Love by Marianne Williamson that we're working through that book. And then we've got Wins and Challenges. We want to see y'all on both both in okay even if you just have to if you just if you can't be on camera call in and just put your headphones in but we would love to see all of you on those as well um alignment conference is this is in three days y'all three days oh you're doing a challenge just right here three days we would love to see you there august 17th from 8 a.m to 3 15 p.m 
exploring alignment, a journey through personal evolution with Antonio Tisnadu. You would love to see you guys here, seriously. Get a cool Go. You get the video and you get a little, another little gift that comes with it. I can't tell you, but, you know, it comes with it. But definitely purchase your ticket for that. Um, we thank all of you for doing this. I thank y'all for, you know, dealing with me these last few weeks in the mornings. You know, I know y'all used to see Antonio's beautiful face, but, you know, I, I hope my freckle face, you know, helps some, you know. You're beautiful, too. You don't Yeah, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Don't say dealing with you. That, that makes it sound as if, you know, like you're second. We, we right. really love you. Thank you. I love you. I love you more than a hot butter cheesesteak from Mr. Heroes in my hometown. That's a I mean, lot of love. Hey. <laughs> I'm just saying, I used to if eat you don't I know, I love you. But, you know, but I love <laughs> you for life, Yana. No, I love all y'all. I really do. Y'all have given me a safe place to grow in, you've given me a safe place to be transparent. And I'm grateful for all y'all because I don't do that. Transparency and me don't go together. Uh, <laughs> but we've been dating recently. <laughs> oh, also, uh, thank you everybody who gave me a birthday gift. Thank you so much. I, I so appreciate it. Okay. I, I text each and every one of y'all. <laughs> thank you for the birthday gift. Go ahead, Sheen. I see you. Go ahead. Um, I talked to Tony. And I made sure it was okay. I have calls every Saturday. I have a group of people. They, it's they, it's a monthly fee. People talk, they pay, and we talk every Saturday. It's almost like a group therapy session where it's mostly women. It's all actually it's pretty much all kinds of people. But we have about maybe 60 people on there, but everybody on here can just join. So he's gonna be sending y'all the links to that. I know y'all don't have calls on Saturday mornings. So on Saturdays, if you want, you can join that call with the Good Witch. We don't, it's not the moon call, but it is, it's where we go over those shadow work and digging out those things. And we go over those 17 different aspects of life that you have to heal in order to have that most prosperous life. So we do that and we do it on Saturdays. I can't do this every day, but I like to do it occasionally. So my group, we just do it on Saturdays. But y'all will be just invited in. This group and a group from um, Sacred Women will be invited as well. Just so y'all can just join because you're a part of ATS and because you're a part of, or because you're a part of the other group. So the ATS group, as long I'm letting Tony send out the links to the people. So let him know if you want it and he'll send you the link for it. And you're more than more than welcome. I'm gonna tell y'all you do want it. You want it. You do. You do. Don't don't even ask. Don't don't ask the question. Just say yeah. Just go and send it to me. Trust me. Just, just trust me, y'all. Just trust me. It's great. We have a good time, y'all. We really do, and it's really full of transparency and love and no judgment at all. So I would definitely for those of you who are on your journey. And you're looking for uh, get your alignment conference ticket, but also reach out to Antonio. Let him know you want to be a part of that Saturday class with Tina because just trust me, it's it good energy that you need. And it's free. <laughs> free, free ninety nine. There you go. Free ninety nine. 
thank you all so much for joining us. You can plant better. You can dominate. And we'll see you all tonight. Don't forget, 5.30 and then 7 p.m. Love you all. Love you more. Love you. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.